just put it together for some amazing people. I really do feel the Lord uh, just been speaking to me over this over this last little while. Actually, I got I got my own ministry during the week from Pastor Mike, and it's just fantastic. And uh, just really distinctly touched about what the Holy Spirit, uh, His agenda for our lives, and His agenda for this place. And I I really couldn't have planned the speakers and the ministries that we have come through so far. <laughs> I, I really couldn't have planned it without the Holy Spirit's intervention. And the Holy Spirit brings people in. He, he, he brings people, He brings ministries, He brings circumstances, He brings people in this place because there's an agenda that He has. And uh, I want to encourage you today, if you have a heart that is open to hear, you'll find that the Holy Spirit is doing something powerful in our midst. I'm looking forward to the great things coming up. Uh, there's some really things... Uh, I am so excited for our young people, and uh, just great to see how God is providing for you. I know different ones that uh, you've just experienced this, just the blessing and the provision of God over your life, just because you have stepped out and you had a go, and that you believe that God wants to use you. You stepped out in faith, and all of a sudden you're finding God's blessing. Your God is providing for you. And I encourage you to. It's 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 part of part of our journey is of, of going away is. Not just getting being in Taiwan, but actually the prep, the preparation of getting there, and, and it's, it's a faith step. I'm so proud of you. you. You're just doing an amazing job, and it's just an honour to to serve our young people. You guys are just amazing, and uh, also deeply encouraged just to see. Uh, I won't mention them, but I'm just talking to two people during the week of the church here. Yeah, um, it's a young man experiencing uh, and starting to take some steps forward in prosperity. And uh, uh, so good to see. Uh, after talking with you, sir, uh, I was just deeply inspired how you are, the, the steps that you have made in your personal life and your heart, and now you're starting to, you're beginning to prosper in parts of your life. I'm so happy to see that. And one of the other women in the church here too, just the thinking uh, uh, about, about business and about moving forward and about prosperity, that is fantastic. And, and it is my heart that, Every one of us would prosper, that the church would prosper. Prosperity is not greed. Oh, hello. It's just because you're prospering does not mean that you're greedy. You can be poor and greedy. Hello. How many people want to prosper this morning? I felt my heart just as I was speaking, uh, started to minister last Sunday. Uh, I want to keep on to this because there's, a, there's always an agenda. There's always a, 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 an agenda that God has to, behind the prosperity that he brings. And uh, it is my heart that every person here today, that you're moving forward in your life, in every part of your life, that you are making forward momentum. Somebody say forward momentum. That there's no part of my life that's stagnant. My marriage is moving forward. My finances are moving forward. My walk with the Lord is moving forward. I'm coming closer to Him every day. I'm spending more time in prayer. Um, my worship is, uh, is prospering. My praise is... Every part of my life is God's intention that we should be prospering or moving forward. Hello. If there's something that is not moving forward inside of your life, then I encourage you. There's abundance of help here to, uh, to help break whatever's holding you captive and to move you forward. Uh, I want to bring, uh, I just want to start off this morning. Uh, there's a key scripture that for, uh, for myself and for Pastor Mike that's always been part of this church. Ever uh, when Pastor Mike and Joy picked up this church and when they, when they planted it, 
Uh, it's the same scripture that God had given them. It's Luke chapter 4, 18. Uh, for the spirit of the Lord, and it's, it's the mission of Jesus Christ. When Jesus himself stood up in the temple, as was his custom, and preached from Isaiah 61, he preached the scripture. and said, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the captives. To, uh, and the other one he says to, says to, to heal the brokenhearted. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I can see wherever we look, there are hearts that need to be healed. There are things in our life that are broken. There are, there's the heart of man which is broken that needs to be healed. You can't necessarily do it. Um, uh, you, you, I mean, changing our thinking is one thing, but actually it, it needs our heart to be healed. Our community, our society needs to be healed. And uh, the other thing that, the other scripture that God spoke to us was, was about the story of Nehemiah. Now, if you looked at the scripture, if you, if you, if you understand the scripture a little bit, I'm going to just help you, help you somewhat this morning, is that the story of Nehemiah is not only is it uh, an historical narrative, it is something that definitely took place. It is also a metaphor. In other words, it is a word picture. It is a prophetic picture of what Jesus Christ has done in the New Testament. A metaphor is something that symbolizes, it is, it's, is a, um, one of your English teachers might be able to help me out here, somebody, but a, a metaphor is something that describes something else. Something that is like Jesus used a tree to describe uh, what the kingdom of God is like. He, he used metaphors to describe something else. So the book of Nehemiah is a, a metaphor. It is, it is both historically accurate that we can learn from, but it is, it is also a metaphor in that you can see that the story that outfolds in the story of Nehemiah is also the same story that unfolds in the story of Jesus Christ. The word Nehemiah simply means comforter, and we know from, uh, uh, from Scripture that the, the Holy Spirit is known as the comforter of God. He is the comfort of heaven. Uh, one of the th other things about Nehemiah was this, is that he was a priest. Uh, he was a priest that was born in captivity. He lived in a place where uh, the country was overrun by the Babylonian Empire, and so he was a priest that was born into captivity, yet... He rose from captivity to become one of the most powerful uh, revivalists in, in, in the world in his time. And the same story about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a man, he was, a, he was born a king, he was born a priest, but he was also born naturally in captivity. Yet he became, he rose to become uh, the greatest revivalist ever to walk on the face of the earth. So you can see through the story of Nehemiah, and you can also see through the story of Jesus Christ that there are similarities. And this is just to help you understand uh, uh, biblical knowledge a little bit. So it's both a, um, a, a factual story, but it was also a metaphor. It's a prophetic picture. And uh, one of the things about Nehemiah was this. As he, he, he grew up and he was known as the cupbearer for the king. In other words, he was the one who would every day put his life on the line to say, uh, this wine is safe for you to drink, sir. So he rose from a place of being in a captive nation to becoming one of the most powerful men in the, in, 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 in the world at that time. But also, he was also uh, used powerfully to bring healing or bring restoration to Jerusalem. And whenever we read about the story of Jerusalem, that narrative still remains a narrative today, that, that God is still in the rebuilding process. God is rebuilding our hearts. He is re rebuilding our lives. He is rebuilding communities. He is rebuilding everything that the devil has stolen or destroyed. He is, is a, the agenda of Jesus Christ is still the same as it was when he said it in Luke 4.18. The, 
with the, 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 the anointing of the Holy Spirit to, to, to restore that which is broken and to make it whole again. That's also the journey of prosperity. So one of the things we, as, I'm not going to go completely through the story right now, but one of the things that Nehemiah uh, did was he became aware of the condition of his people. He became uh, very prominent in the secular society, but yet something in his, and he was a priest who was also popular and, and, and also worked in the secular job, so you can be both. And he was also exceptionally wealthy. He learned how to prosper. He was born a captive, but he learned how to prosper. There were some things that he did, there were some things that he built into his life that caused him to prosper. So a priest can be prosperous. Hello? So don't you be complaining that I drive a nice car. You wait till I get my helicopter. <laughs> then I'll hear some whiners. But there is a, listen to me, there's a purpose behind the prosperity that he, he, he developed. And uh, it's, it's not about greed. Put it this way, prosperity is not about greed. There is an agenda behind God's blessing over your life. God blesses us because he is a good God and he wants to bless his children. But there's also another agenda that he wants, he blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Prosperity is not luck. Somebody say again, it's not luck. Prosperity is something that you can learn and that you can grow in. And so this is something that Nehemiah did this. So one of the things he was, he got to a part in his life where something inside of his heart was moved with compassion for his people. We also see that in Jesus. His heart was moved with compassion. So he saw the condition of his people. He saw the condition that the city of Jerusalem had been broken down. And he was, uh, he was aware of, the, of his favor of the king upon his life. So he set about in his life to, uh, to go and visit and, and, and ascertain the damages. And then something in his heart decided there was a call of God upon him to, 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 to stand up and to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. The thing that we have for our church, something that I'm not going to just change next year, but it is build. Somebody say Build. In the same way that Nehemiah uh, began the rebuilding process of Jerusalem, in the same way, there are people here today, including myself, there's parts of our life that are broken. There are parts of our community that is broken, and it needs somebody to intervene to help clean some of the rubble away. But it's one thing to clean the rubble away. It's one thing to clean the dead away. It's another thing to clean the, the heart. It's one thing to get delivered. But it's another thing to change your thinking so that you're becoming into a building mode. Somebody say, I've got a mind to build. I've got a mind to prosper. We're going to, we're going to read into this. So, one of the, so as soon as Nehemiah committed, so it's one thing for him to be prosperous, but the moment he committed to the rebuilding process, that's when he faced opposition. You'll find in your life is this. Whenever, see, don't, the devil doesn't mind you going to church and to a degree doesn't even mind you being blessed. But the moment that you start to use that blessing, 
into rebuilding somebody's life. The moment that you make a decision that you're going to start to rebuild your, your internal life, you're going to start to rebuild your heart, you're going to get things life in your, in your marriage, you're going to sort your finances out, you're going to start to push forward in the things of God. The moment that you just start to, you, you're going to rebuild your life, you'll find that you're going to come into a whole pile of opposition. <laughs> the fact that if you're facing opposition somewhere, I would encourage you. You're building something. I'm just going to just quickly race through this because it's important that you understand and just read through the, the, the few chapters in your own time. Uh, but it says in Nehemiah, it starts up in chapter 2. But as you start to read through the scripture, it says that every person was actively engaged in building. Everyone was engaged in building to certain varying degrees. There was nobody, or there, in fact, there was only a handful of people that the Bible, the Scripture calls them uh, particular nobles. In other words, people that they thought, who thought they were better than everyone else. Those people didn't put their hands to the work. But the Scripture says, if you read, read through Nehemiah chapter 2 and chapter 3, you'll find that people everywhere put their hands to the work. In other words, what they did was they had a mind to build, they had a, they had a heart to build, they had a, a commitment to build the city of Jerusalem. It says here, uh, if you can look through, in, um, it talked about the, the builders of the wall, all the way through Nehemiah chapter 3. One of the things that you'll find is it says, and this person built this section of the gate, or they rebuilt this gate, and this person built this section of the wall, and next to them were people that built this part, and next to him were people that built this part. You can see it all the way through Nehemiah chapter 3. You look, it says um, uh, in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 8, next to them was Uziel, the son of Uriah, one of the goldsmiths who made repairs. Next to him was one of the perfumers who made repairs. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Another translation would say what they did was they weren't involved in the rebuilding as such, but they were involved in reinforcing. In today's language, you could say that they were involved in continuous improvement. In other words, these particular group of people were looking at the parts of the wall saying, how can we improve what we're doing? Hello? Hello? And look, there was another guy here. The Bible says here, look, listen to this guy. I loved, I loved how they make, um, they, they make some um, special mentions of some, some people. In verse 12, it says, next to him was, uh, was another guy and who was the official over half the district of Jerusalem. He made repairs, he and his daughters. In other words, the whole family got involved in building the house. The whole family, even the girls, the, the, the daughters, everyone was involved in the rebuilding process. Every part of the family, this guy was an official, but yet his whole, his whole, all of his daughters were involved in the, in the building process as well. And, after, and there's another guy down here in verse 20. After him, there's another one, I love this, who zealously repaired another section of the, of the wall to the door of the high priest. He zealously repaired it. In other words, he wasn't just meandering along in his work. You ever seen somebody working zealously about what they do as opposed to somebody just meandering? This guy here, oh baby, he was passionate. He was, 
I mean, if he was one of the song leaders, if he was one of the worship, I mean, I know people here today, they are passionate about what they do in the building of the house. I was talking to Doug, Doug Bird a little while ago about building the men's ministry. Passionate about building the men's ministry. Passionate about building this section of the wall. There's men's lives that are broken. And, uh, and just, but I'm just passionate about building them and seeing them whole again. There are people here about passionate about the, about the kids' ministry. I'm just passionate about kids. Hello? The Bible says, whatever you do, do it with your whole heart. There's something about passionately building the house of God, as opposed to just dragging your feet. I wonder if this person's going to even turn up today. Oh, I'm sick. Someone texts, I'm sick. I've got a sore earlobe. <laughs> hey, Lord, help us. I know people here today, and you come, whether it's hail or snow. I don't get much snow here, but you passionately, and I, I, I want to honor you for that. But you find it goes back, and so they were made, these guys made repairs to every section of the, of, of, they were involved in building the gates. And if you look at the church here, there are different gates of the church. There's the cell group ministry. There's the Sunday services here. There's the mission field. There's the children's ministry. There are different places that are, represent gates or walls of this church and on our lives. You'll find, a, a, so in a corporate sense, but also in a personal sense, the moment that you start to rebuild the gates of your heart, the moment that you start to rebuild your thought life, the moment that you start to rebuild your spirit, the moment that you start to rebuild your finances, the moment that you start to rebuild your marriage, the moment that you start to rebuild your internal life, there's not a part of our being that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to come into and intervene and cause us to be rebuilt and to prosper so we become the light of the world, a city on a hill. One of the things you find is this, is four places that they built. One was they built the state gates of the city. They also bought, built the walls between the gates. In other words, there was a communal aspect to, to, their building, to their building work. They were committed to building the whole. You'll find that there were other people, they were building their own houses. They were building their own personal life. There were some people, they were, that's what their capacity was, to, to put the bricks and start to build their own personal homes. There are people that were not only just building their own homes, but they built the homes of the, helped build the homes of the people next to them. See, you can see it all through Scripture, just, just for the sake of time. They were involved, every person was involved in either building their own house, building their own life, or helping to build the community, the building, and they were helping to build their neighbor's house as well. The moment that you start to engage in that. See, the thing is, there's nobody that is too prophetic. There is nobody that's too old. There is nobody that's too young. There is nobody that is too whatever. There's nobody that's too passionate. There's no too anything that you cannot be a part of building the process. There is no too much of anything. If you've got, so, if you've got time, if your hands can move, if, you're, if you've got something in your heart to give, you're not too old, you're not too young to build, be part of building the house. I love what our young people do. I love how committed they are to building the house. The question is, what are you building? What are you committed to build in your life? Are you committed to building your own heart? Are you committed to building more than just your own life? Are you, committing more to the, are you committed to building the house? There is something about building something. Bay City has an assignment. It's in Luke 4.18. 
The same scripture that God gave uh, dad as mum and dad as they came to this church. It's the same spirit, same one I have in my heart. It's that God is still in the rebuilding process. God is still in the rebuilding process. We are called to be a city on a hill. One of the things that you find is there was a lot of opposition that he faced. One was uh, Sam Ballot. The first thing he came up against was the start of the rebuilding process was this, was, was a man called Sam Ballot. Now, Sam Ballot, the Bible says, was very, very angry. Let me tell you this. The moment that you start to prosper, the moment that you start to move forward, the moment that you start to make progress in some parts of your life, I can tell you there's a very real devil that will come around who is very, very angry and will try to stop and mock the building process. You look at the thing, things he faced, and again, I'll uh, uh, go through them quickly. One of, the things, the fir- one of the first things he did was to mock him, ridicule and, and was sarcastic in his language. One of the things he said, uh, he, he said these words, he said, you really think you're going to rebuild this city? You really think, out of all this rubble, you really think? <laughs> look at you, look, you're hopeless. Look how much you failed back here. Look how much you failed back there. One of the things I can tell you this, friends, the moment that you start to make progress in your life, the moment that you even start to pray, one of the first thoughts that you have come in your heart is, what are you doing? God's not listening to you. What are you doing? You sound ridiculous when you start praying in tongues like that. Listen to him. Listen to him. You've heard yourself speak. It's the voice of the devil that will try and stop you. The moment that you start to deal with the areas of your heart, the, the, the areas that you try to, hey, you want to start to shape your thinking. You want to start to learn something. Well, you're too dumb. You didn't, go do, you didn't do very good at school. <laughs> What do you think you can do? You think, you really think you can prosper? Look at all your family. Look, they're all poor. You really think you can prosper? You really think you can do that? You'll find that the moment that you start to make progress in your life, there is a very real demon that'll come against you. There was sarcastic language. They mocked them. They ridiculed them. They threatened them with violence. They, 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 there were distractions. This is another one. There was also manipulating prophecies. Hello? Manipulating prophecies. One of the things that's careful, you want to be careful who you're allowed to lay hands on, who you're allowed to speak into your life. With Nehemiah, he had somebody speak nobly. Let's go to the temple and let's go do something really spiritual together. But the Bible says that Nehemiah had a check in his spirit and said, actually, this person's agenda for me is different from God's agenda. Actually, that the intent behind this is to harm me and to, and, and to distract me. And I, I want to encourage you that whatever, the moment that you start to build, the moment that you decide in your heart you're going to prosper in every part of your life, the moment that you start to serve, the moment you'll find that you'll, you'll come up against opposition. I want to look at um, just at Nehemiah's response. One of the first things he did in, in, in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 4. See, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He was a man that knew how to pray. The first thing that Nehemiah did when he faced opposition was come to the Lord. If you want to prosper, if you want to move forward in your life, one of the first things we're going to learn how to do is learn how to pray 
and learn how to come to the Lord. See, Nehemiah had made it a discipline in his life. He made it a habit to come to the Lord. He made it a habit to build his life around the person of Jesus Christ. He made it a habit to prayer. One of the first things that you can do is start to pray, is learn to pray. And another one it says here in Luke chapter 4, and Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. He stayed focused. It says, for we built the, so in the midst of opposition, it says, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a heart or a mind to build. Friends, when you have a mind or a heart to build, you'll stay focused on, your, on what God has called you to do. There are some people you don't prosper because you don't have a heart or you don't have a, you, your thinking is not aligned to prosperity. They had a heart to build. I can tell you now, when you set your heart to build, when you set your heart towards the Lord, when you set your heart to grow in God, when you set your heart to learn, when you set your heart to prosper, yes, you're gonna come up against distractors, distractions, but when you set your heart and you set your mind, when you become focused on, the, on what Christ has called you to do, See, for us, and I was just thinking about this, for a lot of people, they have set their mind on being happy. They have set their mind on being, having a good life. See, being a builder causes your life to have meaning. Being a builder causes your life to have significance. I know for many people, you can live a happy life, but have no meaning because you haven't built anything eternal or for anyone else. Some people, their mind is too focused on their own emotions and their own well-being. Your thinking process and your heart affections are too drawn about what makes, to what makes you feel good now. Even the way you vote politically will be determined by what's in your heart and what's in your thought life. The way that you spend your money the way that you set your life up, the way that you pray, the way that you set your heart will either be built and geared towards what makes you happy or it'll be built towards a life of meaning. There are times in my life that I have, I'm not very happy, <laughs> but yet my life has meaning. Many people here, you're here because you're being touched by something that somebody else has built because they had a mind to build. There was always the option. If the goal was to be happy, I'll tell you what, I'll be out fishing. If your mind is geared towards just you being happy, you may well experience happiness, but meaning will be missing from your life. Meaning and purpose comes when you set your heart and you set your mind towards building the house of God, both internally and around you. My granddad, uh, as a young man, he was, uh, he was born in an exclusive brethren family. And uh, at the age of 13, he was ostracized. He had to sleep in the garage, he had to eat in the garage, he had to pay his own way through university. But he found Christ. And then he... Uh, he trained and he, he, he made it his mission to serve the Lord from a very young age. 
very young age. So he said his whole life he had a mind to build. He had a heart to build the house of the Lord. So he trained as an accountant and became prosperous and used his prosperity to retire early, but also prior to that, do things to advance the gospel to build the house of the Lord. And today, I can still, long gone after he's dead, I can still take my kids and his great-grandchildren to a place they can experience what he envisaged many years ago. He had a heart to build. Even this house here today, he was involved in the building of this house. He had a heart and a mind to build. I remember talking with Dad a while ago, and uh, he said that, you know, when things were going a little tough a number of years ago, he said, you know, I've got an opportunity to take over a church, a really nice-looking church on the Gold Coast, which would be quite nice. An opportunity that could sound very spiritual and sound attractive, but actually his heart had a mind to build here because the Lord had entrusted him to build this place. And that's why many of you are here today. At some point, you've experienced what somebody else has built. I want to encourage you today. They remained focused because they had a heart to build. Your life can be prosperous. Your life can have a a sense of meaning far beyond what you could ever have imagined. But the only way to get there, I believe, is this. Is you've got to center your life, one, around the personhood of Jesus Christ. You've got to allow His Word. You've got to allow His Spirit. You've got to allow His messengers to come in and to speak into your life and to help you grow. One of the things you see about the story of Nehemiah was through all the opposition, they eventually, they built the city. One of the other things he said was in, in, Luke, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, when the people got a little bit tired, when the people got afraid under threat, uh, under threat he spoke faith into their life. Come on, you can do it. Don't be afraid of them. Our God is a good God. Our God is with us. He is mighty. He is for you. You know, sometimes the building of lives just simply takes that. Come on. Lord is for you. You may be struggling right now. Don't be intimidated by the challenges that you may be facing right now. God is for you. Our God is mighty. He is awesome. He spoke faith into people's lives. Sometimes you've got to check the words that come out of your mouth. Some people, their heart and their mind is more focused on the problems that are around them. The challenges that they're facing as opposed to mindful of the things of Christ. One of the things about Nehemiah, a couple of things was this. It wasn't just what Nehemiah did to the community. But Nehemiah was very prosperous personally. And as I started to look at his life, he brought revival in many different ways. He didn't just rebuild the city physically. He rebuilt it socially, rebuilt it spiritually as well. Nehemiah brought social reform. One of the things he did was he, he shifted the issue of inequality in the nation. 
You can read about that in, in uh, Nehemiah chapter 5. But he personally led the way in shifting, uh, removing debt off people and shifting the issue of inequality. There are people of the same blood that were, were abusing one another and keeping one another in bondage. He dealt with that issue. You know, sometimes the way that we treat people keeps one another in bondage. The way that we think, the way that we operate keeps people in a place of poverty or keeps people in a place of bondage. Another thing he did was this. He reformed the government of the nation of that area. In other words, what he did was he changed the governors. He challenged those who were ruling unjustly and just literally moved them out of politics and replaced them. Second, uh, third thing he did was this, was he educated people in law. He set up educational facilities where he could teach people about the laws of the land. In other words, so they're not gonna be sconed by, any, not gonna be conned by anyone else. He started to educate people's thinking. It was important for that. Another thing he did was he, he restored, uh, he, he brought the Word of God, taught, brought people around the Word of God. He, he was an instigator of revival again. He brought people's mind and brought people's uh, lives back around Christ, uh, around God. He also set up a city security plan. He made people safe in the city. He literally set up a security plan to keep the city safe, to keep individuals in the city safe. He had a civil heart. Like he wasn't just a priest, but he was prosperous. He was, uh, he taught people how to, in every single way, and he had a heart for the city to make the city a better place, the tangible city. And as a result of the people feeling safe, the city began to prosper again. He started relationship and marriage instruction. In other words, he helped people learn to build healthy marriages. So it wasn't just about building physical houses, but in every aspect of society, he had an interest in and he was actively engaged in, in the building process. So he taught people about marriages. He talked talk to people about how to build a healthy marriage. Taught people how to order their lives. In other words, one of the things he talked was time management. It's all in the Bible. He taught people how to organize their time. He was a man who knew how to prosper. So what he did, because he knew how to prosper in his own personal life, one man was able to bring all these reforms to one city. Taught people how to order their lives. and set, In other words, what he did was this. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Order your days. Order your time. We live in a world today where people are working nearly every day of the week. My question will be is this. At what point will you draw a boundary? You can't be pulled by the pressures of sport. You can't be pulled by the pressures of work. You can't be pulled by all of these pressures and still, and, and then finding out, self missing out from church, you end up coming to church only once a month and expect to grow in the things of God. It's not going to happen. You must order your time. You must order your finances. You must order your thinking. You must order every part of your life. Just because I've got a pressure to do something over here, just because somebody's pressuring me to do that, doesn't necessarily mean I have to go and do it. 
you can say no. Saying no is a boundary. Sometimes I have to say no to sport. There's many times I say no so I can be here because I love being here. I will say no painfully <laughs> to a whole bunch of things. Why? Because it's my, I have a mind to see your life's built. You can say no to some things. You can order your time. You can order and structure your life. You can order your life around prayer. You can order your finances. There is nothing that you cannot set in the place of order. You can order your marriage. You can order your emotions. There's a good control and there's a bad control. It just means that you can... Here's one way that you can order your emotions. Just, just one little way. Is moving past grief. Some people, they'll grieve for years and years and years and years. Jewish law simply had this. Jewish law simply had a, 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 a defined limit on how long you could grieve. Why? Because if you hold grief too far in your heart, your mind will start to come around that grief and you'll become a victim and you'll never prosper. How long will you grieve for Saul? Oh. There's a time when you have to stop feeling sorry for some of the things that have happened in your life. There's a time where you have to stop grieving about the dumb stuff that you have done. <laughs> There is a time where you've just got to stop that and set your heart towards something new. He taught people how to become generous. In other words, one of the first ways that you can start to become generous is to start tithing. See, it's one thing to pray for God's blessing and God's prosperity over your life. But unless you're unwilling to set your life and realign your internal life, get rid of some debt, get rid of the desire to have that so other, thing, other people be happy with you. You don't need that flash car. If you're, if you're stacking up a whole pile of debt in order to have a flash car, in order to impress people, get rid of it. If you're stacked up your visa card in order to buy things that you don't really need, but in reality have just become a a tie around your leg, get rid of the visa card. If you're so caught up with your sport that you're missing coming to the house of God, if you're spending so much time on social media that you're not engaging with your children, if you're so caught up with what's wrong in the world or with what's wrong in you, put a stop to it. They built because they had a heart and a mind to build. Sure, you're not, there are gonna be times when you're not happy. Nehemiah, he struggled with depression, oppression, threats, every single thing you can, every single thing you can imagine. But he determined in his heart to build. And that's what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. He suffered every threat, every, everything possible that could be thrown at him. But the reason why he had went to the cross, one of the main reasons was it had a heart to see you set free and become prosperous. And not that we would just enjoy the blessings, but we and, you and me would become a, a blessing to other people. One, another last thing about Nehemiah was simply this. Not only did he do all of that, 
Every day, he fed 150 people from his own pocket. Every single day, 150 people ate at his table. Every day. Now let me tell you, you gotta have some money to do that. People know what I'm talking about. You need some money. If you're gonna be feeding 150 bucks every day, every people every day, you need to be prospering somewhere inside of your life. You see, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. He blesses us with gifts, talents, abilities. In order that the world around us would be healed and restored. I want to encourage us this morning. Make a decision in your heart. If you haven't made it already, be purposeful and intentional in your life. Be purposeful around your marriage. Be purposeful around the issues of your heart. Be purposeful around your finances. Be purposeful around your time. Make a decision wherever you are right now. If there's rubble in parts of your life, if there are things that you just still played with, we've got plenty of healing courses you can go on. There's plenty of people here that excel in finances. Just as these builders were helping the neighbours, there are people here today that they could help you rebuild the financial part of your life. They could help you rebuild your thinking. They could re they could help you build every part of your life. As I was just thinking around the different ones of the church here, there are people here that could help you. There are people here with gifts and talents that you could use and make available to help other people. Friends, I love Bay City. I love the mandate that Christ has given to us. We have touched nations. We have literally transformed nations as a result of, what we, of our coming together. Let this in our next season ahead, both as individuals and as a family, get a decision, make a, a decision to set your heart and to set your mind towards building, not just being happy. If my heart was just about being happy, I would just be going to other things, any opportunity that would just gratify this part of my soul. Some would be good, some would be not so good. But because Kate and I have set our heart to build the house of the Lord, it means we say no to some things. It means we've got to work hard at some things. I don't know if you've ever built something. Sometimes you whack your finger on something. Sometimes you get cut. Sometimes you get bruised. Sometimes you do something the wrong way and you just got to undo that again. And my wood blew down the first, my, my shed blew down twice before I got it done right. Don't worry about it. Give it another go. If you've cut your finger, if someone is not, just learn the tools. Just start to make yourself available to build the house of the Lord. Start to make yourself available to invest into the lives of people. Start to get around people that will start to lift your thinking. Start to get around people that would help you build the different parts of your life. Don't just settle for what you have. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. Why don't you just close your eyes and just bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your house. I thank you for your family. Thank you that it is your desire to build your kingdom. Jesus, you said that you would build your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ministry in our life, that you are building into our heart, that you are building into our spirit, that you're pulling away the rubble, that you're restoring our minds, that you're restoring our thinking, that you're restoring our hearts, you're restoring our bodies. Lord, I pray today for every person in this place. I pray, Lord, that you would stir their hearts this morning to be an active participator in the building of your house and the building of your plan for this church and beyond in Jesus' name. Help us, O oh God, I pray, in the areas of our own personal lives, where there is rubble, where there is disappointment, where there is limitations and confinement. I pray, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth, comfort of God, that you are coming to our life. And help us today, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you draw near to the humble, but you resist the proud. Lord, where there are parts of our lives that are out of order. Lord, today we humble ourselves and we ask that you would come and help us today. Lord, I pray for every home, every household here today, in the name of Jesus. I pray that you give every person here today a heart and a mind to build in Jesus' name. Lord, I speak and release prosperity over every household here today in Jesus' name. Where people have been depressed, where people have been under attack. Lord, I pray today, Father, that you would cause faith to arise in their hearts today in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you have called us to be a city on a hill. You have called us to be the light of the world. You have called us to heal the brokenhearted. You have called us to set captives free. You have called us to change nations. You have called us to bring revival into our community. You have called us to bring revival into our nation. You have called us to revive the nations of the world. I pray today that a fresh fire would stir in the hearts of your people today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all God's people said, the question I want to ask you today is this. Will you be a builder? If so, where will you Where will you build? Where will you build? Where? What part of your life will you build? What part of eternal life is the Holy Spirit saying, stop ignoring it. Stop putting it to the side. I want to come into your marriage. I want to come into your finances. I want to get into your thinking. What part of your personal life are you going to build? What part of the house here are you going to build? Are you going to be a spectator, a Facebook commentator? What are you going to do? Are you going to go on sabbatical from church? My golly, I'll go on sabbatical from you. <laughs> what are you going to do? Where are you built? Will you build in the young people? Will you build in the worship team? Will you help with the men? Will you help with the women? Will you help in the community? Where will you build? Where will you give your life to? Where will you lay down your life and say, I will live my life for something greater than me? What will you lay your life down for? Or are you just consumed with the problems and just consumed with making yourself happy? Oh, by golly. I've got to finish. This takes to eat. Come on, let's stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Lift up your hands. Lift up your holy hands. Holy Spirit, come and touch every household this morning. Speak into our lives, Lord. I thank you for the mandate that you've given us. I thank you that you have been good to us. So, so good to us. Thank you for your spirit with us. Lift our thinking, I pray. Lift and expand our hearts today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody got in felt the Lord speak to them about somewhere in their heart they should start building, somewhere. Just lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. 
maybe you haven't experienced it right now, but I want to encourage you just to wait on the Lord during the week and say, Holy Spirit, what part of my heart are you wanting to work on now? What part of my life are you wanting to work on? What part of my life is out of order and needs to come back into order as you have said it? What part of the church, what part of the house are you calling me to start building? What part of the community are you calling me to be involved in? God, speak to me about being a builder. I bless you today. Don't forget we've got cakes out there. Go and support our young people. Bless them. Don't forget next Monday we've got Shane Willard going to be here. It's going to be fantastic. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Why don't you turn to somebody? Talk to them about being having a mind to prosper. Go on.